So uh, if you connect the two chapters, chapter 7, we looked at it last week and uh, we had been going through really the Sermon on the Mount, which was a pretty long sermon by Jesus he was sharing. And they marveled after he was done. And it says they marveled because of the authority that he, from which he spoke, that Jesus didn't suggest that somebody else was right. And he quoted them, but he just said, this is the way it is. And the reason he did that was that he was the king. And um, as proof of a good sermon, you start at chapter 8, and you see that they came down with him, and great crowds continued to follow him. Uh, when he was done, they didn't shoot out to go to the Olive Garden or head to the club for brunch. Uh, they were excited to hear more. Um, and uh, this is what happened with Jesus And what we'll see is really three miracles. Three miracles happen in succession and really three plus miracles, okay? Uh, We'll we'll get there at the end and see what the plus is all about. But in verse 2, it says that there's a leper who came. It says, And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Um, You get the picture that this... Man, a, a leper was someone, uh, most of the time they referred to some kind of skin disease that, um, you know, they're really not sure what particular ailment it is. It's probably a bunch of them. And, and the idea was that many times the, the word leper is scaled skin type thing. And so it would be visible with sores and and people would look at them as dif- disfigured over years and years. And part of it, it got worse because once people were determined to be sick, they cast them out and they had to go live with other sick people. Um, and they were not allowed to participate in the community uh, being within the city. So this leper comes and it says that great crowds were around. And this one who is unclean, this one who is sick, uh, is weaving in and out of the crowd to come to Jesus. Uh, you know what that is, right? Some of you have come to church during the winter time around here uh, when sickness is going around. And we love each other here, but we're like, uh, we'll just give you a virtual hug, okay? We'll kind of stay away from you because I'm afraid to be sick. And so this leper comes in and he wasn't supposed to be there, but he comes before Jesus. And what does he do? He, he kneels down before Jesus And you say, well, why did he kneel down? Uh, Remember back to who Jesus is. We've looked at this in the book of Matthew over and over again. He's the king. He's the king. And he wouldn't have looked like a king, but the leper understood that this was not a man that he was equal to. This was a man that he bowed before. And so he bows down before him and says, you know, would you heal me? I need you to heal me. As we look at this, we realize that many times physical ailments can go on for a very long time. And most of us are okay if we get sick for a day, right? But what if that day carries on to a week? What if that week carries on to a month and some for years, for years, struggle with ailments? The picture here is this. This leper comes before Jesus and he's asking for relief. He's asking, can you get rid of that which ails me? And this is what it says in verse 3. 
It says, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. He responds that I will do what you want me to do. And now you be clean. And then what does it say? And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You can picture this scene where everyone's kind of crowding in. They'd heard Jesus preach and they, they are following him. They continued to be after him. This leper comes and everyone goes, Ew, that guy, look at him. You know, they're all gasping as he comes before Jesus. He's, he kneels down and they have this conversation. And then Jesus reaches out his hand. They're like, don't, don't touch him. You're going to get sick. Instead, he touches him and he gets well. He gets well. And he does it immediately. Immediately. There's an emphasis there. As a writer of Matthew, as an eyewitness, he says, immediately it happened. It's interesting. Uh, even today, we have people who claim to be uh, healers of sorts, that they can heal and they do healings and uh, various you know, powers and whatever else. Jesus sets apart his miracles as something uh, truly miraculous in that they are sick, they are visibly sick, and then they are visibly well. In fact, as we go on in this passage, um, we see, uh, you know, so he's clean and he's clean immediately. And then Jesus says this to him in verse 4, and Jesus said to him, see uh, that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift of Moses commanded you for proof to them. So he was known to be sick. He was visibly sick. And then he's visibly healed. And Jesus says, don't say anything. Don't say anything, but go to the priest. And even that's kind of interesting because one of the things, uh, really one of the main things that Jesus was sharing in the Sermon on the Mount was that I'm different. I'm different. The religious leaders that you've been following uh, they are into themselves. They're into a form of religion that has no power, no life. Um, it's a bunch of rules that won't help you a bit. And so he says, you know, go, go to the, the priest and show him yourself. Be inspected by him. And the priest in this culture was the one who said, you can go from being part of the sick group and part of the well, to the well group. And so he goes before the priest. He offers sacrifice. And the priest undoubtedly was working this through like how did you get like, i remember you were cast out there was a reason i remember how you how did you get jesus jesus he's the reason the, that this man was well and so jesus sends him uh to the priest so that he can be uh confirmed that he is well that's the first miracle, the cleansing of the leper. Down in verse 5, uh, you see the second miracle. Uh, when he had entered Capernaum, uh, he had traveled. Uh, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. He said, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. You, you get the picture that this man could not walk. He had been paralyzed. And uh, you, you don't know if the suffering was the mere fact that he couldn't walk, but it seems as though like it was more than that, that he was sick and paralyzed. And, and he was off to the side and he couldn't. He, he was, and, and it's interesting to me that a centurion who would have been like a captain over, uh, some have suggested to me that it's 100. Um, it was probably around 100, but it could have been as little as 30 or over 100 that he was uh, in charge of. 
And he has a servant and he realizes and he has compassion for his servant. And he says, he comes to the Lord. It's interesting too that the centurion sought out Jesus. And he didn't seek out Jesus for himself. He, he sought out Jesus for this man, his servant. He compassionately came. And as he came, uh, he said to Jesus, you know, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about my, my servant. And I, I'm asking you, I'm asking that you would take care of him. Jesus, uh, it's not anything interesting really that the centurion would come because we all would like to come and ask Jesus to do things for us. But Jesus, how he he interacts with the centurion is interesting to me. Um, Jesus answers him in in verse 7. He says, I will. I'll come and I'll heal him. I'll I'll go to your house. I'll, I'll see that man that you've just described to me and I will heal him. And the centurion starts backing up. He starts going, wait, 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 wait. Um, not exactly. Uh, verse 8, but when the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you under my roof. Uh, it's interesting, the leper came and bowed. The leper came, came and bowed. The centurion said, no, I don't want you to come to my house. Like, I'm not worthy to have you. He understood. And I want us to get this this picture in our mind. The centurion was doing something very good. It was very good. He was caring about other people, but he still found himself unworthy. You you know uh, who that describes at Bear Valley Church? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone is unworthy. For Jesus to come to our house. It's not just because we didn't do the dishes. Or there's laundry laying around. It's that because of who we are. We are unworthy. Do do you you get that? I think sometimes people come to church. And they say because it makes me feel good. If that's the case. You're probably going to the wrong church. It's not because we are good. We feel good about having a good God. A merciful uh, Christ who stands in our place, who covers us in our sins. The centurion came before Jesus and he, he came and he, he, he made his request for another. And then he said, well, you don't, you don't need to come to my house. You know, that, I'm unworthy to have you in my house. Most of us don't feel that way. Most of us feel worthy that somehow Jesus is lucky to have us on his team. We're the only one, ones who are fortunate. We're the only ones who, who uh, I can't believe he brought me on his team. So the centurion says this. And in fact, he describes what he knows. He says to Jesus, he says, I'm unworthy uh, to have you under my roof, but say the word and my servant will be healed. And then he explains to Jesus what he knows. He says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to, uh, and I say to one, go and he goes and to another come and he comes. And to my servant do this and he does it. He's saying, Jesus, you know, I'm a military guy. I get this. I have people above me, but I also have people below me. And I understand authority. 
I understand authority. I'm a military guy. I understand authority. And then he says this. That's very interesting. He says, first of all, I understand authority. Second of all, I understand that you are the authority. You are the authority. I want to tie this in. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. One of the themes of the book of Matthew is authority. Who should listen when Jesus speaks? And the, they, were mar- they marveled at the way Jesus uh, preached because he just said it like it was. He didn't say, let me explain to you why I tell you to do this. He said, here it is. But I tell you. He didn't quote some other rabbi or or Moses or he didn't uh, get his authority from someone else. He got his authority from himself. You know why? Because he's the king. Because he's the king. And I want to point this out. I've talked about this in the last few weeks. It really doesn't matter to Jesus. Uh, uh, Careful the way I say this. I want to explain myself. But your response doesn't change Jesus. Okay? Sometimes we sit with our arms folded and we say, you know, I can't believe in a Jesus that does this. That's fine. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. And you can even base your whole life on it. I'd even say more than that. You can base your whole eternity on that. But that does not change the fact that Jesus is king over you. Over you. And as we uh, consider this this morning, the, uh, the centurion, he says, I get it. I get it. The reason I'm coming to you, Jesus, is because I understand authority and I understand that you could just say it and it would be done because you're the king. You're the one who is the authority. As Jesus did this, um, you, you, you get this beautiful thing that, that Jesus acknowledges something right away. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who fall, he said, listen, look at that guy, right? Look at this guy right here. Truly, I say to you that no one in Israel, have I, nowhere in Israel have I found such faith. As you think about that, uh, that must, must have been startling to them. You know, they were probably primarily Jewish people. And they were saying, you know, we're good followers of God. We, we know him. We, we, we have, we're special. And he says, I haven't found in all your people faith like this centurion. And they would have gone. Maybe we're getting something wrong here. What's going on? In fact, he, he goes on to say something interesting. He says, he talks about the east and the west and how they will come. And they will uh, sit at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And what, what he's saying there is this. They will be in heaven. They will be with me. They will be with these great eight Old Testament saints. There will be people that are non-Jews from the east and the west. These are Gentiles. They will be there on that day. And that must have opened their eyes even wider. And then he says something. He says, while the sons of the kingdom, meaning people, he's referring to those non-believing Jews, those ones who will hold to their own goodness and not the followers of Christ, will be thrown into outer darkness, into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Must have blown their mind. That, that, that there, will be, there will be some who 
are part of God's family that will not be with him for eternity. And then there will be others who are outside Gentiles that follow after Christ and would trust in him. We celebrate that this today through water baptism. We gather together as a church knowing that we gather only in the name of Jesus. And so Jesus shared this and then uh, this happens. We look down at verse 13 and it says, and to the centurion, Jesus says, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And then it says this, and then the servant was healed at that very moment. I want to point out something. I think I alluded to alluded to it earlier that Jesus' miracles are different. They're different. Uh, Jesus got this guy, this leper in front of him that has obvious sores and immediately they're healed. And, and now he's not even in the presence of the man. And it, at the same time, he says, it's done. It's done. And you look at that and you go, that's a miracle. It is a miracle. And so be careful when we equate what we see as a miracle as what Jesus did as a miracle. It's the work of God. And so as we look at this, we see that Jesus heals this, uh, this man who's paralyzed to, uh, on the appeal of the centurion. Now uh, we get to the third section, the, the third section we're looking at here. Um, and we, we look at, um, if you look down at verse 14, it says this, And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. It's here where I want to tell some really good uh, mother-in-law jokes. But I will pass because I know I'm in the midst of mother-in-laws and some of you will be mother-in-laws one day and others of you will have mother-in-laws someday. And it may not be all that funny what I say anyway. So, um, but uh, Jesus enters a home and this is, we, we don't have details to this, right? We, we have very little, but we know this. Verse 14, uh, Jesus entered Peter's house. He saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand. And the fever left her. She rose and began to serve him. Um, what's the story is devoid of, in my mind, is her own faith. Why didn't she cry out to him? Why didn't she say, oh, I believe that you can do this? It, it gives the impression that Jesus walked into the house. He identified her as sick or he knew that she was sick. Boom, she's well. She's up and at him. Once again, uh, there's not this time lapse where Jesus says, I touched you. I prayed for you. This should clear up in about a week. You know, it just happened. When Jesus was healing miraculously, it happened. Okay. You see this and you see the beauty of what Jesus is doing. And then this is the plus part. Um, As you look at this section, this last section we're going to look at this morning. Um, he touched her hand, the fever left her, and she arose and began to serve him. Then, this is what happens. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. You get this picture. So, Matthew records three miracles. The leper, the paralyzed guy, and Peter's mother-in-law. 
And then that night at that house, it's like they have an open house of healing. And, and word gets out, you know, Jesus is in town and this is what he has done. And so what do they do? They start bringing people who have struggled with demon possession. They bring them in. And undoubtedly, this hadn't been going on like five minutes. This wasn't a daily thing. This was something that had gone on for a while. And they, they bring them in. And what does Jesus do? He casts them out. He casts out the, the spirits. And you go, how did he do that? What was that all about? I don't know. It doesn't say. But I know this, that we have uh, things that are going on that we don't know about. That there are angelic beings that are not good ones. They're called demons. And they're against us. They're against people. Uh, If you weren't there, you missed it. Uh, Rob shared with us yesterday at the men's breakfast. Some of you weren't even invited. Uh, to come to the men's breakfast because you're a woman. Um, but um, th- there's things going on in this world that we can't see and that makes us uncomfortable and it makes me uncomfortable, I- I'll tell you. But what it says is this, that at this open house of healing that Jesus had, that people came and that he took care of them, removed them. doesn't say how or w- what happened afterwards. It just says that that, that he did that. And then it says something interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if you caught it when I read it, but it says this. And he healed all who were sick. All of them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? So so he's in this town. He's at uh, this house and Peter's mother-in-law sick and he heals her in an instant. And then they open her and he just heals everyone that comes in. Every, that I can't even picture what that would look like. If that happened in Tehachapi, everyone who is sick in Tehachapi, if they would come to one of our homes, and can you imagine what that would be like? Um, the, the reason it stands out that all, uh, you go to the doctor, you go to a general practitioner, and um, he, he goes there and he, he'll see that you're, you're sicker than he can handle. And he goes, I really don't deal with this. So what does he do? let me refer you to a specialist. And so you go to the specialist um, and you're really nobody in this world unless you have two or three specialists, right? Um, And so you go to the specialist and you say, you know, I'm struggling with, you know, my hearing or my eyesight or my feet. And, and they say, oh, you know, oh, great. So this is what you need to do. This is what I think it is. And they say, here, here's some pills. Here's some pills. Uh, come, give me a call in a couple of weeks and a couple of weeks, it doesn't go away. And so you go back and what do they do? Oh yeah, that, that totally didn't work. So let's do another set of pills and we'll try that. And, and they're just, you know, that's the practicing medicine thing, right? You know, you're just they're practicing on you. And, and then you say, but you know, it's just not my feet. I'm struggling with my eyes. And he goes, Oh, I don't do that. I, I can't help you with that. And when I get of Jesus, it's so stunning. As I, He took everyone, everything that walked through the door, Jesus handled. All, all, the, all the problems that they had, Jesus was able to handle. I find that interesting. And I, I want to I tie this up. So 
So I want to give you this morning uh, who this Jesus was as we look at these three sections of miracles. Who is this Jesus? And I want to say it like this. He's the king. He's the king. Okay? And I want to tell you what he's the king over as we look at these verses. The first thing I want to tell you, he's the king over the effects of sin. The effects of sin. You say, the effects of sin? What do you mean? I'm talking about all the diseases. And you say, how is that the effect of sin? It's real simple. You you look at uh, what's gone on in this world. The world was perfect. Sin entered the world. Everything was messed up. Everything was messed up. We started dying as sin entered the world. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean you're falling apart. Can I get an amen? We're falling apart. And and, and you feel it. And if you're young, you say, no, no, I'm just getting better. Uh, No, you're just getting scars. And eventually those scars will be harder to heal and you'll be falling apart and you won't even know it. And, And those are the effects of sin in this world. That's why you will not live forever. And Jesus walks into a leper, leper's life, to a paralyzed man's life, and to all these other diseases. And he says, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I can take care. I'm the king over this. This is no big deal for me. He's the king over all the effects of sin. The second thing I want to tell you that he's the king of, he's the king of compassion. He's the king of compassion. And the reason I say compassion is because that's what he's shown these people. You you know what it is to be struggling, right? And Jesus enters these situations as leper. We don't know how many days or how long and how desperate he was, but we assume all those things. And Jesus in compassion says, I will release you from that. The same, uh, he even does it for a friend. He he shows compassion. I, I use the word compassion because Jesus healing, I want, I want to be careful with this. Have you ever thought about the, the leper? What happened to the rest of his life? What happened to him? And you say, well, he was healed. He was healed. Where is he now? He died. He died. It wasn't bad. It was part of living in the sinful world. He died probably of something else, Right? And that's what happened. It's an act of compassion when we get well. And Jesus shown compassion. He, he extended that. He's the king of compassion. And this is good. You, you know what most kings are like? They're the king of themselves, right? It's all about me. It's all about me. And you are my subject. And so your life is to help me with my life. And if your life doesn't help my life, you're out. You know, I don't need you anymore. That's what most kings are like. Jesus is a king of compassion. He cares. The third thing I want to tell you about Jesus being our king. He's the king over all that ails us. All that ails us. You know, the things that, uh, the health issues, even even to talk about the pressure, the demon possession and all the pressures of this world and also anything else, right? 
Anything else that we can come up with? Any of our problems? Any of the things that bother us? He is the king overall. That's what he was showing. He was saying, I can handle that. I can handle this. I can handle this. And we can go on here. And many and many more and all others. Right? He's saying, I'm the king over all that ails us. And the uh, fourth thing I want to share with you is he is the king over all that ails the ones we love. I want you to get this. This is a great, is a great point for us to remember. Is that um, we've got parents and grandparents and great-grandparents here. And uh, worse than being sick yourself, worse than struggling yourself, struggling, seeing your kids struggle, Right? Seeing your grandkids be sick, struggle. Your great-grandkids maybe even uh, be left uh, exposed to this world and it just kills you. It just kills you. Do you see what the centurion did? This is so great. That, that's a parent, that's a grandparent, that's a great-grandparent. He went to Jesus on behalf of the one he cared about. And, and Jesus wasn't... The, I was talking to someone after the first service who, uh, son's struggling. He, adult son, he's just out there. Sometimes she doesn't know where he is. And, it, and we were marveling at Jesus can help him even when she doesn't know where he is. Isn't that wonderful? Is that Jesus is the king over all the ails, the ones that we love. The things that bother them, the things that they struggle with. I want to tell you, as a parent, as a grandparent, a great-grandparent, you say, well, I can't fix it. You're right. You can't fix it. But you can call on the one who can. You can go to Jesus. You can call on his name. And, and that's the most powerful thing you can do in the world, is go to the one who is king over all. Which ails the ones that we love. I want to tell you this, too. Next point. He's the king over demons, king over demons. I know that uh, many of us struggle uh, with the idea that there's things going on in this world that we don't know and that there are evil angels out there and we can't see them or what's going on. And you go, oh, no, what am I going to do? I want to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to cling to Jesus. Book of James tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Book of 1 Corinthians tells us that we are to stand firm, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because Jesus is one. And, and this is the picture. And you say, well, I'm scared of their powers. Their powers, I, I want to tell you, are nothing to Jesus. They're nothing. That Jesus came and he goes, get out, get out, be done with this. You're out of here. That's what he did. He had no problem with that which probably the people that were struggling for years and, and, and time, and they were constantly burdened. But it was no problem for Jesus. I want to I say this uh, sixth thing. He's the king over all. The king over all. I, I love that last part where it talks about, I already mentioned it, that many came and that all were healed. And, and this picture that Jesus 
There was nothing he couldn't do. There was nothing that he goes, that's beyond me. Some of us feel like we're creative mess makers of lives. That we say, you know, we, we can mess up our lives and we, there's no hope for us. That, that Jesus, can, that, you know, I, I don't have any place in the family of God because I'm so messed up and I've done all these things. There was, it was nothing to Jesus because he was king over all. Last point I have for you uh, this morning. I skipped over it because I, I find it so important for us. That it's the last verse, verse 17. Look down at it. This last verse says this. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And you say, yeah, we already went over that. The leper, you know, the the leper, the centurion's servant, and Peter's mother-in-law, and all those other people. We we got it. He he took on uh, those illnesses. He bore uh, with with our sicknesses. He he took care of that. And I said, you know what? That is a quote from Isaiah. A quote from Isaiah. And you say, yeah, I got it. It said that right in there. There's nothing profound about that. That was speaking of the Messiah that was to come. And I want to tell you what these miracles were. They were real miracles. And they pointed to him being the king. And they pointed to a time where he would not just heal them. Boom. You're, you're, you're well. But it pointed to a time where he would bear it for them. That he would take it on on their behalf. That he would do it for them. And you say, well, what is that? That is when Jesus went to the cross. And, and what gets me so excited is this, that, and I mentioned this before, all those people died. All those people died. We're going to get sick. We're going to go through hard times. We might get well. We might die from that sickness. But Jesus came as the king, the one that would bear all the things that we bear. And he would heal us of all the things that dog our feet. What that is, that's the cross, Jesus Christ, what he did, bearing uh, our sins, his blood spilled on our behalf, him taking that for us. And that's the king that Jesus is. He's the one that bears our personal sins, that we would be with him forever. I want to tell you, you need a king like that. Each and every one of us here needs a king like that. You, you don't have to accept him as king. He doesn't have to be your king. But I want to tell you, you need him. You need him. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Uh, blessing of seeing your uh, life in action. Um, being able to sing your praises. Being able to um, reflect on your your son, Jesus, the King. And, and God, I pray that right now, as, as you work in our midst, that you would draw people to yourself. That we would humbly come kneeling. That we would say, uh, Jesus, I, I, I can't even have you in, our, in my home. And God, I'm thankful that you loved us so much that Jesus came, that he would cleanse us of our sins that we might be able to be in relationship with you forever.
God, thank you for this time. I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.